Hi, my name is Edward Lamb, and you are listening to the SME Podcast. You are now listening to the next great small business podcast. Welcome to the SME Stories Podcast, where it is all about small businesses in Canada. And here's your host, Ken Alfred. Hey, everybody. Thanks for downloading the show. we got a great show today with Ed Lamb. So we're taking a bit of a different turn normally from our normal episodes as Ed is actually a retired business owner. So what we're going to be doing is having a sit down with him to really go over, aside from his story, and he's I got a great story. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of background now. He's actually been a business owner for over 40 years. He's actually a licensed mechanic and collision specialist. And then he ran A1 Automotive, which is a, a very unique way of actually helping out clients by fixing their cars mobily. He'll get more into that as, as we talk about in the episode. But in terms of that, he's had a lot of accolades. He was business person of the year in 2015 for the Board of Trade. He's basically an active member with Ajax Bickroom Board of Trade, Whitby Chamber of Commerce. Uh, but aside from all those accolades that he's had, he actually does a lot of giving back to the community. He's actually a big brother for over 20 years, volunteers his time to do that. He's also done, was sponsored, sponsored uh, actually a lot of baseball teams, senior baseball, senior lawn bowling tournaments. And one thing I know about Ed, he is always about fundraising for different uh, charitable organizations all over the place, whether it's the Rotary Club, whether it's uh, supporting our veterans. He's done a lot. Every time I talk to him, he's always doing something and some charitable cause. And currently right now, he's even just a, uh, uh, he's actually an ambassador for the Board of Trade, Chamber of Commerce, and Connecting GTA. Uh, Connecting GTA is actually a networking group for business owners. So a lot of business networks get together, lots of networking opportunities that a lot of business owners can meet each other, potentially land clients, but also really learning from each other. So Ed's going to be sitting down, giving us all his knowledge that he has, I know you guys are going to enjoy this. So with that, sit back and absorb. All right, guys, we have Ed Lamb. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing terrific. Not complaining. No complaints at all. Well, the weather is nicer, but I think it was foggy this morning. But I think the fog has gone away. I don't know. I have my curtains closed so I don't get any excess lighting. So aside from that, I told the users this is going to be a very special episode because we're going to be doing a sit-down interview with someone like yourself who's been in the business world for well over almost going on 40 years, sounds like. So I think we're just going to sit and chat and talk about little things about what do you see right now in terms of what are the good things you're seeing from small business owners? What are the bad things you're seeing? Maybe some opportunities that uh, maybe current small businesses are not doing. And, uh, you know, Little things on how to start something and how, and if you already start something, how can it make it more efficient, right? So we'll start with just quick uh, thing here. So I know that I give the users a bit of an intro on your story, but if we can hear also from your mouth would be great. So Ed Lamb, what is your story, my friend? Well, first of all, my story, I came to this country in the seventies. I actually uh, was passionate in the automotive industry. But I came in and I was uh, into a welding school, Institute of Technical Trades in Toronto, and found out that my skills was needed because I was able to pick up things naturally in the welding world. So I ended up doing a little bit of teaching at the Institute and then uh, Institute had to move and I didn't move with the Institute. And thank goodness to this young girl I met. I said, I'm not going to go away too far from you. So I stayed in Cabro and I stayed there through the late 70s. Um, and of course, I got back into the automotive world where I was working as a collision specialist, got my license. And, and then after that, I got my license to be a mechanic. And then I start doing a lot of automotive repairs. Uh, I bought uh, vehicles that is wrecked, cut them in half and take the good half of the two vehicles, join them together, fix them up and make a new vehicle out of it. Wow. And that was uh, during the years of key cars, the Chrysler key card and Plymouth uh reliance and all of that so that's when i start to have uh, something as a business idea i was buying these cars fixing up still working in the automotive industry and and uh, make it up and sell it so it's almost like you were like a uh, car flipper in a way right because you heard those home flippers right they'll buy a property they'll try to do a light fix up on it, maybe paint and carpet and then try to resell it but it sounded like you were doing was a little bit more extensive like so in the house flipping world they would be like doing like a major reno in your case, you're not just buying a car, cleaning it up, just changing the oil and then trying to sell it. Like 
you were taking no. something like and almost like re-putting it back together. It was like a hobby for me. It was a challenge to uh, see what I can do. And I had a lot of friends and a lot of people who had uh, really was excited about the uh, challenge and how it's come together and the cost for it after it's all done. I was able to keep the car cost down and I was able to sell the vehicle and still make a profit. But uh, I stayed in the automotive industry until uh, 2019. Uh, but shortly after I uh, got into the car business, I wanted to do things in the evening, which got me into a disc jockey. I was also a, really? uh, in the music world. Uh, I started the company in, um, in Asia or in Pickering. When I moved to Pickering in the late 70s, I started a company called Rocking Eddie DJ Service where I was playing in nightclubs, local nightclubs here. Some of you might remember some of the nightclubs, Danny's and Harwood, uh, Ollie Ollie Humphrey as well in uh, in Ajax. Uh, the Granada Sub Pub used to be the Pickering Tongue Center. It used to be, no, it used to be the Sheridan Mall at that time. And I played at the Stairways. I played at Bruin Stone in Scarborough. And it became a big hobby for me. After that, I start uh, not only playing in nightclubs, I end up doing weddings and parties and so on. And then I became uh, one of those disc jockey who wants to go and tour. So in the early 80s, I start touring, still in the car business, but this was my side gig, a fun type things to do. And I took uh, my disc jockey service, Rocking Eddie DJ service, Newfoundland, here I come. So I tour Newfoundland. I traveled to Fort Abbas uh, from North Sydney through Montreal and, and so on. Got into North Sydney, taking the ferry across the Newfoundland. And I would tour the island and playing in different nightclubs as well as in arenas. So I did that for a few years. And then uh, I still come back to my car business uh, job over here because I really had enjoyed all of them. I worked in the car business up until, uh, I would say, late 90s. Then I decided, well, I don't like the way the industry is going. And I decided that I was going to uh, start my own company. Not start my own company. I was going to help seniors making educated decisions on car repairs because I just didn't like the way they were treated, not only seniors, but some of the single women and all of that. They only say yes to the repair facility, but not knowing what they're getting. And being in the car business, I find that uh, a lot of unnecessary repairs are being recommended to people because they say, yes, they're going broke. So I educate the seniors how to take their pension dollars and stretched it. So I have a little workshop at retirement home. Uh, one of them, uh, you know, I can't call the name, but it's in Brooklyn. But I started there and uh, I heard a lot of stories from the seniors over the years. They've been dealing with the repair facilities and I didn't like their story. And they actually asked me to advocate for them. So I would go to repair facility as their friend. And I would question the uh, repairs and the recommendation when the repair facility bring a list of recommendation. And obviously, when they found out that I'm a licensed mechanic and a licensed collision specialist, and I questioned some of their uh, recommendation, and they were surprised. So they wanted to know, who is this guy? So then I pulled my license out and I showed it to them and said, hey, I've been doing this here for a long time. And I know when it's needed and when it's not. And sorry to cut you off there. Can you oh. give the listeners then? So I'm just kind of curious myself. So what were yeah. the most common repairs that you were seeing that were being recommended that majority of the people probably don't really need to do? Well, a lot of that is uh, like uh, brake fluid flush. And if they did it, they weren't doing it the way it should be done. And power steering flush. They were looking at uh, coolant flush. It needs to be done in a proper way to get more effective. So if you're going to a quick loop place and they're not, they're recommending these things, it takes a lot of time to do these things, but they want you out as quick as possible so they can bring the next victim in. Oh, jeez. So all of those things, and they would rec- recommend uh, like 
uh, brakes and, and suspension work uh, that without uh, seeing and knowing exactly what's uh, going on with it, you say yes, because you want your vehicle to be safe. So, oh man, so that that's really wild, cause especially like you're talking about. So for like, whether it's seniors or single parents, well, let's say single parents, right? Because sometimes also yes. men don't yes. know about cars as well. Like I'm not the most smart when it comes to cars. So if someone tells me that, you know, you're driving basically a hazard to the road, you know, right. or your safety, or they play into the, oh, you know, safe, you know, make sure your kids and your family are driving safely, right? You don't want to be putting in like a, putting them at risk or anything like that. So of course right. the people are going to say yes to it, right? Yes, yes. And, and that's what they are trying to get out of you. Because the other thing is, once you are in the uh, car business, sometimes the technician are in, on incentives. They are getting paid a commission from the uh, dealer and the repair facility to upsell. And the top upseller will be the one that can be rewarded a weekend away or for them and their family because they make the company a lot of money. But how needed that repair was, uh, a lot of vulnerable people out there because they were scared to uh, do a lot of their repairs and and it's not really necessary. So I was really not happy with that. Though what I did after that in the late 90s, because once the senior saw the value of the service that I was providing, they started to ask me, can you do my son car? Can you do my friend car and all of that? And it becomes overwhelming for me because I'm crazy busy now advocating for these uh, seniors. And there was no way I could uh, do it all on my own. So what I did, I went to the uh, Chamber of Commerce and I said, look, I have this idea. Some people are telling me to start a company. And it was just an idea I started the company with that I can provide a service. And then from that, the uh, Chamber uh, helped me to make a decision in terms of how I can deal with this volume of work and turn it into a business. And I was small, I was shy, and I wasn't able to, you know, talk about what I wanted to do shy? at that time. But, really? Well, <laughs> I was a little shy at that time to talk about business. But I was I know what uh, tunes to play, how to start a party, you know, to get people on the dance floor and how to keep them rocking for the rest of the night. So at that time, I was working for the nightclubs to make sure they sell a lot of beer. So a lot of people had me to be at the dance floor to work up a steam so that they can drink a lot of beers and buy more beer. So that there you go. So that was a method to my madness. And that was uh, my DJ world. The chamber and I, we sat down and we start put a system in place. And I start to provide service. But what happened is, the seniors and their uh, kids and grandkids helped me to formulate my company, where I now I would pick up their car, I would service it, return it back to them, I would create visual for them so that they can see their repairs done on their smartphone and their laptop, desktop, and I can show them how to store their, uh, their information electronically. So I was totally green, and they don't need to be with me. I would go to their home, go train station, casino, shopping mall, the workplace, wherever they are, I'll pick up their vehicle. It was coordinating and building relationship because that is the important part of my business is they had to trust me. And I was doing whatever I can to earn their trust to continue to build and grow my business. I think what you talked about was really important that this was a very unique thing. And I mentioned this in the intro is that you were able to help your clients, you know, get their cars repaired almost mobily. Because I think the standard practice nowadays is you go to a repair facility. Um, prior to COVID, they used to have shuttle service so they can take you to where if you have to go to work or if you're going to go back home and then they would pick you up. Right. But there's still a lot of coordination in terms of, OK, where are we going to go and all that sort of stuff. So your approach was different is that you actually went to the client's home and took the vehicle and took it to your facility, which is, and you were talking about that relationship. There has to be a huge trust because they're trusting you taking their car, right? Because they're literally giving you the key and you're leaving them, right? Yes. Uh, well, what I find also, people trust me and they give me the garage code 
to go into their garage and take the car out because they are also gone on vacation and because they only need no vehicle on their vacation so they can still see what repairs and what make educated decision while they are in Germany, France, wherever they are here. And I would get, you know, approval to go ahead with repairs because I take the before picture and the after picture so they can see the work has been completed. And with a click of the mouse, they can send it to any professional anywhere in the world and get somebody else's opinion. And oh. that's what I like about my company. Now, the picture taking part, was that even prior to like all the, you know, the camera phones and the thing? Or did that ev- kind of naturally evolve? And then now we're... Well, well it, it naturally evolved with the help of the grandkids from the seniors. Because originally I would have a Polaroid shot. Oh, that's the Polaroid. I no, love oh. it. <laughs> and then I would have a camera. Uh, and after that, I got into emailing. And how did I do that? I'm a mechanic. I don't know anything about electronics and how to come up with these uh, innovative ways. So the kids and the grandkids helped me to set this all up so I can now email the pictures. Because what I would do, uh, I would um, a camera, I would uh, load up the images on my laptop. I would head over to the, the, the customer's place, whether they're home or wherever they are or in their office. I said, this is what you're looking at because I just didn't know any other way to do it. And then they start teaching me how to do it. And I started to have an open mind and I had an IT department. I had uh, my accounting department. I had a different department that are good because I find after I started this company, I need to sell my strength and buy my weaknesses because I can pretty well do everything in my company, but I need it to be efficient enough so I can continue to provide more volume of work because the volume was there. And I did absolutely no advertising because my customer were telling their friends and their family and their co-workers and everybody else. And I was tons of work to do. Wow. That's an awesome story, Ed, in terms of that. So it was more like you were, you became um, not accidentally successful, but you almost had like accidental staff that kind of like helped you evolve the business. And I think what you, what you mentioned is a very good point. You emphasize your strengths, but you would buy your weakness. And by buying obviously means reaching out, looking at experts who are good at certain things to bring it. Because I think a lot of mistakes that small business owners do, and I'm guilty of it too, especially when you start off and you're on a shoestring budget, you feel like you have to do everything right and that doesn't service your clients very well right so well you got to invest in your business because you want your business to grow to the next level so you have to put people in place i was trying to do the accounting i was trying to do pay the bills i was trying to do everything myself but what i was doing was only give me a limited amount of time to do and service a limited amount of customer But when I started to open up and start to talk to people about what I need to grow to the next level, I had to hire people. I had to create a website. So I don't need to tell people what I do. I just drive them to my website at uh, www.a1auto.ca and they will see all the things that I've done there. So I don't have to spend time to tell my story to them to convince them. If I have a good friend or a customer that use my service, they can uh, refer and they will believe their friends versus me. So, but it doesn't only happen there. You have to be able to give back. You have to give back to the community and the people with no expectation. Got me into doing a lot of different things before I even start my company. I was sponsoring baseball teams. I was sponsoring uh, lawn bowling tournaments for seniors. I was uh, also a volunteer for the Durham Regional Police. I was doing events for the uh, Humane Society. I was also uh, doing um, entertainment for uh, the Whitby County Town Carnival because I've lived in Whitby for over 32 years and um, I like to give back and I like to help and I like to see young people become successful. So even now on my journey, I'm retired now. I still belong to a lot of these uh, networking organizations because I always remember the people that I met along the way on this journey of success. 
So I, I'm an ambassador for the Board of Trade, Chamber of Commerce, and now I'm an ambassador for the Connecting GTA. So I want to help people with a little bit of nugget. If I can help them to get to the next level, I will talk to them. And uh, if they have a way, uh, they need something, I will try to advise them on how I can help them. Hey, you, do you need a voiceover? Well, look no farther. Northway Capital Group has your answer. Commercials and explainer videos, AVR and voicemail, health and wellness, corporate training and e-learning, announcements, documentaries, and biography. Contact us on social media or email us at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. I think now we can take the A1 hat off now and we can put on, well, Ed has beautiful, has awesome hats. Like that's, <laughs> but now we're going to put on the coaching hat, right? So for a lot of people, like, especially during the pandemic times that, you know, a lot of people were kind of forced to stay home. And uh, a lot of people that said, oh man, I should, should I start a gig of some kind? Like, what should I do? you know, to make extra money and stuff like that. What this pandemic did is that it made people very creative with a lot of things, right? And how you ran A1, I am surprised there was not more firms like that, right? You hit the nail right from the head because a lot of the automotive industry owners still believe in the old way of doing business. And I've been virtual for 20 plus years. And when virtuals came out and I retired, a lot of people says, well, why do you have to retire? I said, well, I don't want to be the richest person in the cemetery. I just wanted to enjoy life while I can. So uh, I'm surprised that a lot of people does not um, take advantage of this type of a service that provide for people because a lot of people are busy. Um, and, and right now, a lot of people are working from home and they have kids and they need help. And this type of a service is important because one of the thing is that a lot of the people that work, especially downtown Toronto, the go train station was a very good place for business for me because people don't have time after a hard day's work to get their vehicle service. So take, take risks with their family and themselves. To drive into the gold train station, they park the vehicle there all day and doing nothing in the vehicle is sitting there and they're gone to work to provide for their family. But I come up with a system. I pick up their vehicle while they're at work. I take it away. I service it, put it back in the same spot that they can now come and finish their day's activity and they're not driving their family risking their uh, lives driving an unsafe vehicle and they're still getting all the information necessary to, to help them make an educated decision. Yeah, no, that, that's why I think it's a really unique idea. So, all right, sorry, back to the coaching hat. So with everything going on, Ed, you've talked to, like you said, you're part of networking organizations for, so you speak to a lot of owners, a lot of small businesses, whether they're been doing it for a while or they're just about to start, like I'm going to raise my hand because when I start my podcast, that's one of the first people I talked to when I met you. So what do you see as some of the good things that I guess the current small business owners are kind of doing right now. Well, what they need to do, they have to have a vision of where they want it to be. You got to create a crystal clear vision for your business success and a lifestyle you'd like your business to provide. You got to also uncover hidden challenges that may be sabotaging the growth of your business and they keep you working too many hours and uh, create a personalized strategy that uh, will tell you exactly what you need to do to accomplish that goal. You also got to leave this session renewed, re-energized and inspired to turn your business into a highly profitable revenue generating machine that practically run itself. So I put all those things in place when I started out uh, early part of my business because I was very blessed and, uh, and ha happy with the growth of it. So I started using other people's strength to help me to come up with these systems. And as an owner of a company, it is my vision that is going to be matter and how well I execute it and I take those information to and, and make sure that I apply it in my company. So for a, a business to succeed today, they have to be outstanding 
with their service. They have to be able to do genuine follow-up and ask the customer, how was the service on your last visit? Is there anything better that we could have done that helped you or did we hit it all the same time? And you take those information and you put system in place to combat that because that's where you start growing. Because when you have a happy customer, they can only tell their friends and then some. But if you have an unhappy customer, you will know they're never going to use a service again. Yeah, they'll be on the uh you know, the Yelp or the Googles and, you know, giving you a, a two-star review. A bad review. Right. And a I bad review. With today's landscape, you know, before Google came out where you could complain about it, but you could only just tell your immediate friends and family. Now with everything right. being online, you know, and now businesses are, all businesses want to be listed on Google some way, shape or form. If now people are giving you negative reviews, you'll definitely feel it, right? Because then... Well, social media is, uh, is a killer right now. Or when you're doing bad work, yeah, because they will tell you, and whether if it's a LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, uh, Google review, and people got telephone now. Mm. It's easy. They text you, they WhatsApp you, whatever they need to do to spread their unhappy news. They do it now anyway when somebody did them wrong. Yeah, and it spreads. It, it, before, it used to be just their immediate friends and family and say, oh, just don't do business with these guys. Now it's like to people they don't even know, you know. That's really interesting what you talked about there. So we talked about that, you know, we see some creative solutions for some new business owners, which is good. And developing systems is also something that some people are doing. What, what do you see are some missing things that uh, current business owners or maybe some people who are saying, Ed, I got an idea. I want to start a business. What are some of the things that people are making the most common mistakes you're seeing people do? Well, one of the thing is people are expecting to get rich overnight. Let somebody else do the work and they want to reap the benefit. But no, it's hard work. It's building relationship. Relationship is the first thing you have to do. Sale is going to come after and eventually. So people are expecting instant gratification, especially when you're going out to networking groups and all of that. You have to have a purpose. you got to know how to work. The, the crowd. You have to know how to tell your story. And if you need a little bit of coaching, there are so many people to help you to talk to people about your vision. Somebody need to know what you are saying and, and, and what you wanted to accomplish and tell your story. And you have to pick up on that and refine it every time to make sure that your story is told the way you want to tell it. So a lot of people should, uh, I'm not discouraging people to tell their story to groups of people, but they have to send the message in a very positive way and a form of helping. Because I find that if you have solution to people problems, you will be great. At what, you're going to be very successful. So come up with solution for people problem and you'll be just being the problem solver all the time. And I try to do that. Interesting. Yeah. So try to be the problem solver. And I guess, like you said, because I think obviously it's true what you're talking about. Today is a self-gratifying time where you need to see immediate results, right? So if you're overweight and you want to lose weight, you expect to lose like a ton of weight within the first week. Or like you said, you went to a, a seminar or something where they're teaching you about, oh, this is a money-making system thing, and then you're expecting that. And if we even want to break it down to even the most simplest levels, you know, I remember the way we watch videos nowadays. I remember being a kid where if you wanted to watch a particular cartoon after school, you had to be home at a very specific time to a very specific channel to watch your favorite show. And you don't even know when that same episode is ever going to appear again. Right. You, unless you have a TV guide, which maybe they printed out which episodes are going to be listed. You're rolling the dice there. You don't know when that episode is now with on demand stuff. If my kids want to watch a TV show of something, they can watch it and then repeat it and then repeat it and then repeat again. So they can, you know, get that in where I'm like, wow, you guys really have it good because I couldn't do that when I was younger. Well, technology is moving a long way. From the time I was growing up and uh, looking back at then to now, even when I first started my company, I was more the hands-on guy. I know what the tool is. 
what a wrench is, what a socket is, and how I, I could remove a bolt and nut manually. Today, they have impact tools. They have impact drivers, and they have different things that save you time. So if you have the right tool to get to your destination faster, which the, the bottom line is is to know where you're going and get there as quick as you can, but at the same time, you don't want to burn any bridges along the way. And never forget that the people that help you along the way, that is important. So you've got to be gratifying and, and, and gratitude and, and thankful that uh, you have a lot of people to help you to get there. Yeah, that's good, Ed. So are you able to highlight just a couple of those mistakes that you made that when you speak to potential or small business owners, whether they're running an operation or about to start, that's saying, okay, whatever you do, don't do these couple of things that I did when I ran my business. What what are those nuggets that you can educate the listeners with? Well, one of the thing is, I've often said maintenance is cheaper than repairs. And it was not until later in life one of the things I was doing is I was working. I was having a lot of fun doing what I'm doing. And then the kids come and we start having different commitments. We have to make sure that the kids are getting to their sports, their events and all of that. And I was involved in scouting and I was doing a lot of things that I was doing on the own, my own, because of uh, I was the breadwinner of the family. My wife uh, had never worked. She was basically a domestic engineer, so that she was pretty well working at home, getting make sure the kids get school and everything else. But um, if you don't have a good supporter behind you, it's going to be difficult. Because I had a vision of being a lot further away. But I had went through a marriage breakdown and I had give up on a lot of things. But then I realized that I got to get over it because life doesn't stop there. I need to move on. And I put things behind me. I, I forgive and I move along. And of course, after 19 years, I didn't have a marriage no more. And I was devastated because I was working to build a relationship that would work for the whole family. And that didn't happen. But that doesn't change my feeling of moving forward and grow. I want to become successful. So I come up with new ways. So I met my current girl right now. It's been about 18 years. We're together. We've done a lot of uh, different things. And uh, now we are both retired. And we have a different vision and outcome on life. So uh, in my retirement, I want to create choices of things to do. So we have done a lot of traveling. Yes, my company was very virtual. I managed my company from a cruise ship, from a resort setting, because I have a team behind me working for me. I just check up on them and making sure everything is fine. And I can see all the performance as we go along. But the bottom line is don't let the negative things harm you from moving forward. Come up with a solution and move forward in a very positive way. That's great to hear, right? I think, um, you know, I know owners nowadays, especially in the beginning, they really burn the candle at both ends, right? So, you know, that whole the whole thing where, you know, you work a 40-hour job and then you're working on 80 hours on your business, right? And then there's all about that work-life balance that uh, I think every owner struggles with. And I think yeah. that's why it, it's, you know, a lot of my guests are all saying that even them who are doing okay could be better. Like every business person can always say their business could be better, but they always try to say they do sometimes still struggle with the work-life balance. And but I think we really need to hammer the point that you really have to have balance, right? Because Oh, yeah, you definitely do. Because some of the things that I didn't do before, Ken, is um, I was working endless hours because I want to give the family a beautiful home, the kids all the extra things that they need in life, like dance class and, and judo, uh, baseball and all of that, but it costs money. But how do I get the money to look after them? That means somebody has to work to accumulate the dollars so that they can do these things because they are part of me. 
So I was doing all of that. But what I find as I get older, that wasn't the best thing for a relationship when you have your, uh, your wife is doing all this work there and not appreciate that you're going into the work and earn the dollars. And she eventually built another relationship with one of my kids, talk leader, and she took off. And I even know the person that did this to me. But what did I do? I couldn't get angry anymore because it's not his fault. It's somebody that didn't have the same vision that wanted to grow all together. So they have different needs. So, But I couldn't change that. But I didn't let that stop me from moving forward. I continue to uh, work. I, and, and now I have, you know, after I retire, I, I was able to acquire a place in Panama, have it uh, getting that uh, developed so that I can have uh, tourists to come out. People, my friends, family come out and, and uh, they can rent the property from me and they can come and create a little bit of residual income. And I figured that's another way to do it. So, yeah, there's a different vision, a different time of life. At the same time, instead of having the place sitting down there and closed up, I can see if I can generate a few dollars by uh, only have a handful of people that wanted to go and enjoy it. And then I also belong to the global property connection where if somebody liked the place, they can come out and rent from me as often as they want. But if they decided to retire in Panama and they want a piece of property, I'm going to be the person of the grill to help them to get that property. So as long as I'm able to do it, it'll keep me busy and out of trouble. Wow. So I, it's a, Ed's always the hustler. It's almost like he can never just sit still, right? He, he feel like every I, time I, I talk to you, you're, you're doing something. This is the rare time where I can actually see you sitting down because normally you're either <laughs> on the road or, you know, we're walking and passing and I'm like, oh boy. But uh, no, that's interesting to hear. So let's touch on some things you talked about already. So what current opportunities that a lot of owners are, you know, are just not doing. And I think you talked about that relationship building and, you know, trying to do everything themselves. Was there any other thing that you think that uh, that the today's owner is just not doing as well as you would prefer them to? Networking. Uh, networking is very important to um, go and involve it because the fact is that if you don't build your network, you will only be in a one spot because you have to move to the next level and you need to build your networking and grow your business. If you're comfortable where you are, you're not going to look for a new opportunity to grow further. Networking, collaboration, inspiration, and create uh, leaders is good to have. And in, in order to help yourself, you must be able to help others. So if there's a need out there to help someone else, just do it. People will remember that. What if it's the seniors? Where if it's a, a community, learn to give back. Not necessary because it's something in it for you, but people recognize the, your kindness and they will support your business and support you because that's another way to give back and get more. So I want people to continue to collaborate and help people to grow because if somebody's looking for a, a little push and you will never be forgotten, yeah, the cost of kindness is, is is zero. It's free. You don't you don't have to pay for it. You got it. You got it. Interesting. And that is important. It is. I think people forget that. I think it's all about to try to drive their dollars. And you know, let me sign. Let me get them to sign a deal on something. I'm like, well, yeah, that that is eventually what you would, would like in the future. But if all you're doing is going up to every potential contact you're talking to and trying to land a deal of some kind without getting to know them, without knowing what, what's going on in their life, the thing they're trying to find, they're just going to push you. They're going to see you as the pushy salesman that uh, you don't want to let in your house. The ones that used to knock on the doors, they try to sell you something or God forbid you go to a store and you're basically like swarmed by a bunch of people that are trying to land your business and even in a retail environment or anything, or God forbid that, you know how many flyers I get from real estate agents. But how many of them end up in the garbage? But almost 101% of them, because majority That's of the right. time you go with either you ask your network 
who is the best that you know of. Not to say that we're saying you don't invest in that type of advertising if you want to get your name out. Right. But I think it's still a lot of people, they like to go with who they're comfortable with. And if they know, they know this person did them well for whatever service that they required, they're Mm -hmm. definitely going to talk them up to say, yeah, go to this person. This is the right person to go to. Right. Always ask and you will receive. Because if you ask somebody for a referral in your network, they will refer you to somebody that they know have a reputable, you know, career and and, and then they will do the job right. So you re- reduce the risk of getting some shoddy work mm-hmm. because the people that refer you, they're the one who's going to be scared to refer you to somebody that's not going to do the job right anyway. Now it's time for tips from the pro. All right. I'm a new business owner and I want to start a business. Now we'll, we'll try to be as broad as we can because I know it's every business is going to have something unique about their business, right? So whether it's in, it's in product or service, but now we're just going for some just general underlying principles where I say, okay, I'd, I want to start a business. You know, what should be the first few things I should get in place first? Well, you got to find out uh, what you need to get in place legally to start your company. Uh, that means you got to connect with somebody at CRA to get the right permit, uh, get the right location and all of that. Make sure that uh, logistically you are doing the right thing. And then you can start to have a marketing plan. I'm sure you're going to have to have a business plan. You can get somebody to help you uh, with a business plan. You'll have to come up with your own story and your vision. You're going to have to create a vision board of where you want it to be in three months, six months, a year, whatever you want it to do. And talk to somebody that you really trust. And most of that started with family. But sometimes family is not the best person to start talking to them about your vision. Because uh, it's better to get some good friends and people to sit down and say, hey, I have an idea. Let's uh, see if that can work. And can I get any of a a suggestion from you guys? So, yeah, logistically, you need to get a start off on the right track. And if you want to have uh, a store, you got to find out uh, cost, budget. You have to have your budget ready and see if you're really ready to start a business because there's want and there's a need. What you need to start is important, but what you want is going to be financing it. And if you start financing it, then you also know that there are dollars that's going to be owed and you're going to have some issues eventually. So you want to minimize the risk and increase on the growth and the vision. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, right? I think they don't take into account how to do it. I had a guest a few episodes ago that had a great solution for a lot of people is that let's say if you're in the idea phase of a business, take it to a business professional and just get their feedback on it. You know, Mm -hmm. I think the mistake that a lot of people make is they'll go to friends and family first, just on the idea of something. Mm -hmm. Here's this need I think it might be happening. And you're either going to get one of two reactions. The negative reaction of saying, oh, I don't know about that. No, you're crazy, which is just a dream killer, right? But then on the opposite end, you get the ones that, oh, that's a great idea. I can see you'll do okay with that. But they have no context on to say why they're saying they're just trying to make sure your, your, your dreams don't get dashed. Right. Right. Going to that professional, you know, maybe talking to an ed to say, here's my idea of what I want to do. And Ed can look at it and say, all right, this is what's good. This is the things you might need to tweak because, right. you know, the, the challenge that people have is that they want to make no mistakes. Well, that would be the ideal situation, because if somebody wants to become a farmer and here they are going to buy a fishing boat, then how is that going to get you to be a farmer? You have to make sure you focus on what you wanted to make you a farmer. You don't need a fishing boat to be a farmer. You just need that. You want that. But you got to have to have the want and the need identify. Yeah, I think that makes sense too, right? And really understanding a cost benefit, like really looking at what's in the market. Like I remember a long time ago, this is probably in like the early 2000s, Ed. So I had this, it wasn't a, an original idea. I was I was working out at a gym and just, just actually I was a member. And I just happened to see, I was at the uh, protein shake uh, or the juice bar. We were just, I just saw this little 
you know, this eight and a half by 11 folded trifold. And I look at it and it was a company. I'm not, I'm just going to make up the name, but it was a reminder services company, something I'd never even heard of. And I looked through this thing and they're like, oh, so what the business idea was, was that, you know, you'd pay them. I can't remember whatever the fee is. And I think it was like a monthly fee. And what they will do is that they will remind you of everything that you need to almost like a virtual, like, like an assistant. So they'll either contact you by like, you know, phone. I can't imagine letter because that's going to take too long. They might even have the option to page you, which is pages don't really exist now, except unless you're in the medical facility. But uh, I thought like, that's a brilliant idea. Maybe I should do something like that. Within a few years, smartphones came out where a lot of the, literally they can do that for you. And I'm like, wow, glad I didn't start that business because, you know, that, that would have been something that is not, that doesn't last, that doesn't stand the test of time. Trying to find something that's not too short term, that something's always going to be needed, right? So like if you look at the example of Uber Eats or those DoorDash right. people, there's always going to be that need. That's a, that is almost like a timeless business where you're going to be, if people want food, you're going to have that job there now. Depends on how much, but at least people are still going to need their food in some way, shape right. or form. That's a very interesting analogy you had there. So let me ask you this then, Ed. So what for those who are currently running an operation, what are some things that are their business more efficient. I know it's kind of broad, but uh, is there anything that you're seeing that, you know, when you speak to someone, they're like, if they only did this, they could save some money, this, that, and the other, or they can be more efficient. Uh, Yes, Uh, there are uh, several things as a leader and a business owner can do to make sure that their internal customer and their external customer are happy because the internal customer are the people who are already using your service and the external customer who's going to be yet to come in and use your service. But you also have to make sure that you are creating a family atmosphere for your employee to work together as a team because you need to have a good team builder, that everybody have the same common goal of providing solution to people's problem. And you as the owner have to have a system in place to check that, to verify it. So it calls follow-up. That's the only way you will know if your company is going to be successful or not, because you have to have an open mind to take criticism, whether if it's constructive criticism or not, but you have to also have the ability to implement things that would prevent that from happening again. So, yes, you have to have those conversations with your team. Time is important. You want to make sure the operation is done accordingly and in a timely fashion, and also make sure that the customer, the end user, are happy using your service or buying your product. So always follow up to find out how you did. That in itself is a breadwinner. You will continue to make money. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, too, because, uh, you know, they're the direct line to what's going well and what's not. Like like you said, the external clients, the ones that you're trying to land or if you just, you know, they need to give you some feedback to let you know, here's what you're doing well. And as much as we only want to hear the good stuff. Yes, so our product and service is awesome, but it's also very important to know, are we missing out on something, right? Yes. So said asking for that feedback, and I know some people roll their eyes when they think, oh man, so I got to do like, I got to start calling all these people or you don't have to call them, even if it's simply as an email or some type of text, you know, just to reach out to say, hey, what did you think of our service? Was it good? Was there anything we were missing? But I also think what you touched on as well is, you know, chattering with your, your team or your employees to find out because if there's internal strife, because as the owner, you have to be a master of delegation, right? You can't right. do everything. Like I think we talked about that earlier in the episode. So yes. the people you have entrusted to run certain functions of your business, something, if one team, they're, be, they're very dysfunctional, there's a lot of, you know, strife going on in that department. You got to nip it in the bud sooner rather than later. So chatting with them about that, because that's the only way you're going to do it. And it reduces the chance that uh, the people are going to leave, right? Because how many people leave, not because, you know, people leave because for many different reasons, they could say, I had a bad boss. That could be one of the big ones. It could be the culture that the people didn't like, but that culture could only be related to maybe just their department, but the rest of the cultures is fine. But to really dissect it, to, to know, okay, we need to fix something in this 
small department because that small department, it, you know, negativity is almost like it, it's like a storm cloud. It can basically spread very quickly if you really want it to. You don't want that to be the case. You're correct. You, you don't want that to happen. I also find that sometimes, even though your customer, you do follow up and uh, they, you don't hear from them. You don't, you haven't seen them for six months. I would look at the, uh, the records and say, well, normally this person, this person's here every three months and I haven't seen them for six months. I would also prioritize and say, hey, uh, let me see if this person got a new car or what the situation is. I just want to call and say, hi, hi, uh, you know, Ken, how you doing? I haven't spoke to you for a while. I haven't seen you for a while. I don't know if you moved or not, right? But I just want to reach out to let you know I'm thinking about you. That makes a lot of sense as well to follow up. Now that you're selling them something, but they're going to tell you, well, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I should have tell you, I didn't come in because I sold that vehicle. I bought a new one. It's uh, got warranty. It's got this and it's got that. Well, okay, now you understand because that little phone call that gives you all the information needed that they're not going to use a service no more. It just gives you a little bit more clarity of what their intentions are. Yeah, absolutely. I th- and I think one of my one of my previous guests too, she was a Airbnb super host, right? So mm-hmm. she has a property that she has she uses for Airbnb and she just mm-hmm. told me one of the things she likes to do as well is to like send Christmas cards to anyone who's ever stayed in her in her property just as a thank you for being such a great great customer. So thinking the, of the clients and just appreciating that because I think we're all focused on okay, landing that deal, getting that sale, driving our sales targets up. But remember, at the end of the day, you're getting someone to take their hard-earned money to give it to you because you're providing them some type of good or service. And right. you need to be very cognizant because they could have spent that money anywhere. Absolutely. And they decided to do it for you. So client satisfaction, follow-ups, not just follow-ups to make sure is everything okay, but just to thank them. Because sometimes if you're having a really crummy day, if someone just thanks you for just you know doing something well, that sometimes that can really make your day, especially if you had a rough day. It's nice to hear some good news for a change. As I always say, if you want to hear bad news, turn on the news. That's all you have to remember hearing. Exactly. Well, you see, there's a lot of other things you could do to give back and to help your community as well. One of the things that I used to do that I find that was very successful in the growth of my company, right at the Ajax Casino, I used to have uh, something called a Sunday-style networking. So my group of people that I have over there, because business owners, what they do is the adult goes out to work every day, and on the week end, where the family are together, uh, they have to be whole with the family. So we created an event that Sunday style networking has happened once a month at the casino in the restaurant where we have a table set up for the kids. We have somebody who's doing uh, all kinds of uh, drawings and coloring and all of that for the kids. Entertain the children and the adult would be building relationship and network. I will have a cheap breakfast. Or, uh, you know, or lunch, depending on the time that we are having this event. And it was very nice. And every event we did, it was always tied into a charity. What if we are raising funds, a portion of the dollars going to epilepsy for Durham or Children's uh, Aid Society or whatever. If somebody's really going through a hard time and we uh, we just need to know your story and then we can do a fundraiser for you. I remember when I used to live in Whitby, I had um, a backyard that could hold about 300 people. There was a little girl who had a born with a facial deformity and uh, it wasn't covered on the OF to cover it. So we talked to surgeons. We put together an event, uh, two for the show. I was playing in my backyard. We raised over $10,000 that weekend that we have the operation done. And that was, I think, was in 2016. The operation was done on the girl. And guess what? This year, she's getting married. Yeah, this year she's getting married. So we it was an event called Help Lauren Smile. The girl was Lauren. And uh, we we had a great supporter from the business world. We had sponsors. We had 
people that come out and support it. And then we had a big sign out there and the whole neighborhood come out and support this whole event. So we can do things together because we are always stronger together. So if you help somebody, they will know. I eventually become the doctor of cars for the whole neighborhood. And it, it's not that I was looking for it. It's just that they trusted me and to see what I was doing. And they love to help. And it uh, helped me to get to the next level as well. Because it was, a, it was a group of people that helped me to manage. Because I was happy to give back to as many people as I possibly can. No, that, that, that's a great thing to hear. And wow, I want to have a few more questions and then we can wrap it up here. So sure. what has been your funniest, I guess, business story in the many years that you've been doing this? What's been the funniest memory that, you stick, that sticks out in your mind? Well, one of the things I did, uh, I used to ride motorcycles and uh, I rode motorcycle for the Toronto uh, Wings Bowling Touring Association. I started Ajax Pickering Friendship Riders. We used to do the uh, Ride for Sight and all of that. I had a huge motorcycle that I built myself. And the funniest thing is Ronnie Hawkins. Many people know Ronnie Hawkins, uh, uh, an amazing rock and roll star. I was doing uh, an event uh, for the Scout Group. And he come up to me and says, I want to sit on your bike. I like your bike. He could have bought my bike over 10 times. So he sat down on my bike, took pictures. The media was out there and we had a blast. And he uh, almost kissed me in the face that day. <laughs> so it was actually, actually funny. Uh, we had really loved your bike, man. He did because he said he have never sat on a bike. And I had a trike because I converted a two-wheel goal-wing into a three-wheeler. I had a 1984 Mustang rear-end converted, a lot of car parts, a lot of uh, truck parts and all of that. And I made this bike. And I did tour to Newfoundland with the bike, then to Daytona Beach, and I did a lot of ride with it, won several trophies with it. I will send you a picture of it there, uh, Ken, so you'll see what I'm talking about. Oh, man, can't do that. So, all right, now we're going to have the last few questions. These are more of a fun-related questions. I think we learned a lot already so far, which is really great. Now it's time for the rapid-fire round. So, Ed, rapid-fire question here. If there was a sandwich named after you, what would be on it and what would you call it? Well, it would be salami and I would call it the laminator. <laughs> the laminator. <laughs> but just salami? Just salami on the sandwich? That's right. No condiments. Uh, well, yeah, I would have your normal pickle. Yeah, that's what I'm that. saying. Well, what's I'll on the sandwich? So we have salami. We have salami, a pickle, your, uh, your, uh, a little bit of ketchup and uh, some onions and all of that. So I, I, I totally love a good sandwich. Yes. The laminator. Hold the laminator. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> love it. All right. What word or phrase do you think is the most overused right now? Oh, uh, A1. A1. <laughs> and yeah. that's yours. That's real hers, right? That's right. Because uh, everybody uh, said uh, to me, uh, are you having an A1 day? And I said, yes, yeah, you have an a wonderful day. A wonderful, a wonderful day. <laughs> day. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. How about this question? I think I'm, I know the answer for at least my end. What is something that people are most obsessed with, but that you just don't get? A lot of people wants uh, to do things, but they don't have the time to do it. But the idea is is to make time to do what you like to do. Have a balanced diet between having fun for yourself. And work. A lot of people ha have not prioritized that. They must have a balanced diet of fun and commitment to the family. Have a good commitment for that. Wow. That was a very serious response. I was just going to say Wordle, that thing that's going on right now with people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> Mrs. K, my wife, always brings up and she's like, look, I got it correct. I'm like, Great. Yeah, well, the kids over here are doing the same thing. Wordle. Yeah, Wordle or <laughs> something. I don't, I still don't get Wordle. I don't know, I don't know how to play it and, uh, and stuff like that. So, all right. All right, Ed, what is your favorite dessert? Like, so out of all the desserts you could eat, if you could only pick one that you're only going to eat moving forward, what would it be? 
cheesecake. Any particular kind? Like what? What's on the cheesecake? Like any? Uh, what's uh, the topping on? Cherry. Just cherry. Cherry. That's it. Wow, that's a hard question. I find because sometimes I find depending on the situation, a certain dessert will make more sense than others. Right? You know, some yeah. days it could be a cannoli. Some days it could be a pie. If it was up to me, I would probably say carrot cake. For some reason, I just like it. I, I could eat that the entire time. Or, you know, my, correction, my mom's pineapple chiffon cake. And I could eat that cake the entire time. My wife doesn't want me to eat that cake because then my heart will explode. But uh, I have it so rare. Then I, I tried to make that cake, Ed, I think 11 times. I got close maybe once. But I cannot make that cake. So <laughs> I've been trying to work with my mom to figure out how do you make this cake so good? Because if I can make it, I'd be aces. So, well, you know what? That's a good uh, commitment to say, okay, mom, uh, you tell me what to do and I yeah. will do it. I right must be missing kitchen. something. I hate to say, well, it's because I have a different oven. <laughs> it's, it's the oven's fault. That's my story and I'm yeah, sticking to it. It's the oven's fault. You tell me 300, I do mine at 300, but it's still the oven's fault. But all right, last question here, Ed. What is your theme song? So you're walking down the street, that song hits, and when people hear that song, they know Ed's coming in. Oh, man. Um, uh, Sweet Caroline. Oh, love that song. I love that song. Uh, it it makes me singing all the time. It was one of the things, uh, the song that uh, I used to rile up the crowd with when I was uh, disc jockey. Everybody loved to sing that song loud and proud. Yeah. You know, and to, to, not to make this about a music and stuff, but uh, one thing I grew up with is, do you remember back in, let's say, the 90s, maybe early 2000s, where, you know, they had those Time Life music infomercials that go for the entire hour. You know, like, and they're selling their CDs of like top hits of like the 50s or the 60s or something. And you only hear just a little bit of the song. But for some reason, I would hear these songs. And that's why, like my wife, Mrs. K, she knows very little about music. She knows like she loved the Backstreet Boys when they were around, but she doesn't really remember any songs. And when we're listening to music, if I put it on, let's say, an oldie station, I'll just sing along while we're driving. Just how do you know that song? I said, I just don't know, because I think I just remember hearing it. So, no, that, that that's great. And the last thing before I like to throw out my wife, too, is that, you know, it's not that she doesn't know the songs, is that the songs she does know, she doesn't know the words to it. Right. She'll throw in words that I have no clue why they're, she's making those words up, and it drives me nuts. Maybe she does it on, <laughs> out of spite, because she knows it bothers me if she sings the wrong words, but... Who knows? But uh, I do that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and the reason, sorry, now the reason why I back to the music is because I find the music of today, as I'm sure it's great, it's got a nice beat and everything. But for some reason, I find older songs, you can sing to them a lot easier because you can understand what they're saying. You can understand, try to understand some of the songs that they sing today, like especially those rap songs. Yeah, I sometimes I have no clue. <laughs> or the ones that sing sometimes reggae, and I like reggae music, but sometimes yeah. when they really get into it, and I'm like, I don't even know how to sing this song if I was trying to like sing it to my kids. It doesn't make any sense to me. So I think, right. but that's our, that's our little tangent for music. But anyways, it was, been, it was awesome today. So is there any other advice that you have for people and where can they reach out to you if they have any questions? Uh, well, they can always reach out to me uh, on uh, phone. Uh, it's uh, Edward, 905-666-8444. And uh, you can also reach me at elam8444 at gmail.com. And uh, let me know if you have any questions, uh, if I can advise you at all, uh, let me know. Uh, and uh, I'd just like to see you guys grow and uh and if you continue to grow, the cash will flow. Love that phrase. Right. Love and if it. you don't go, the cash would not flow. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot, Ed. All right, guys. That was our episode with Ed Lamb. I think we all learned a lot from this podcast. There was a lot to absorb, but there's a lot of few tips that uh, there were a lot of tips, actually, that uh, Ed really spoke and that really hit me that I think we should all apply. One, sell your strengths and buy your weaknesses. So I know you've heard this on a few episodes in the past, but I think it really hits home is that we can't do everything as a small business owner. We need to either delegate or outsource some things to other people, whether they're team members or other suppliers. Now, 
we need to keep in mind, though, we should budget for these items, especially if we're going to a supplier to handle the service, but making sure that it's within the realm of possibility that it, we can actually do it because otherwise it's going to slow our growth with how we're going to proceed and grow our business. Because if we're just waiting on ourselves to do it, things are going to take maybe two, three times longer because you have to try to budget everything in and try to get all the time in. Plus try to, if you have a day job, trying to get your day job done, plus trying to be a great, you know, parent and spouse to your partner, all that sort of stuff. And also try to be social to make sure you see your friends and other family. So trying to find little things, if you obviously in a perfect world, if you can outsource everything and only just do one or two things. That would be ideal, right? Because then you can just focus on those one or two things. But what I think you should really do is look for things that take a lot of time that will, by removing that barrier of time and giving that to another supplier or another team member or whatever, might be something you should consider, right? So look at the type of services or type of processes that you do and see if we can actually get those out of here and outsource that. And we can really focus on growing the business, servicing the current clientele, little things like that. So really try to buy your weaknesses, sell your strengths. I think the second point that I think is really important as well is to always look for opportunities to give back to people, whether it's volunteering whether it's maybe donating to your favorite charity or just really helping people out that uh, that you're trying to do it for free. Now, I'm not saying you do it for everybody, but try to help out. Ed volunteers a lot of things. He's host, he's sponsored teams. He's run volunteer tournaments. He's like an ambassador for a lot of things. So, you know, if you can help out others without expecting anything in return, then really, really do that. Because eventually by helping out the right kind of people, those, the people you help out, could find someone that will that will be your next big client, next five-figure client, next six-figure client that's going to bring all that revenue to you. So always try to help out as many people as you can, really just to get your face out there to get people know that you're there to help. And it doesn't mean you're going to sign up business right away, but it could definitely lead to something in the future. So guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I enjoyed recording it. So we'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the SME Stories podcast, which is owned by Northway Capital Group. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Northway Capital Group.